Hello and welcome to Music Therapy and Beyond. My name is Alyssa and if you followed our previous podcast, um, the Music Therapy Podcast, then you might recognize my voice. Um, But it feels so good to be back with you in a new year, new look, um, but same amazing content. I have been working on a three-part series called Authenticity in Music. I'm so passionate about this topic, and I hope that by the end, you will be too. Together, we're going to be exploring what authenticity means when performing popular songs, how to be authentic with your instruments and voice, and how to adapt to stay true to your abilities and the music. This is a topic that is important to me because I feel that it helps us advocate for our field. Good music speaks volumes. It helps us connect with our clients and understanding what authenticity means helps us grow as music therapists and musicians. So that's where I want to start with part one. What is authenticity in music? Let's begin with the word authenticity so that we have a common starting place um, together. So according to Merriam-Webster, authenticity is A, worthy of acceptance or belief as conforming to or based on fact, Um, B, conforming to an original so as to reproduce essential features, C, made or done the same way as an original, Um, D, not false or imitation, and E, true to one's own personality, spirit, or character. So having a starting point for authenticity is important as we discuss what it means to replicate music. A large portion of the day-to-day study that we do at work is building a repertoire of music. Now, oftentimes your working repertoire is greatly determined by your clients and the setting that you're working in, the approach, etc., but often we need to be equipped with a basic variety of music to appeal to a range of tastes and preferences. Um, We talk about authenticity a lot in terms of who we are as therapists and the importance of being authentic when building rapport with clients. But a conversation that I don't recall having as often, if at all, was the role authenticity plays while performing music. So I'm talking a lot about music in regards to a music therapy setting. However, everything that I'm saying applies to all performance settings. And a lot of what I've learned has actually come from my performance background long before my therapy background. And that continues even today. And I'm passionate about this topic because I've seen many music therapy students struggle with this concept when they don't have a any performance experience or their performance experiences may be limited to choir or high school band. Um, So this is truly a concept for everyone. So what is authenticity in music? Um, My working definition is as follows. Authenticity in music is how closely you can copy or imitate the original song, artist, or genre within your performance. So why is this important? Well, authenticity in music is important because if we claim music as our modality, and it is, then we have an ethical obligation to represent that music appropriately and deliver a quality product. 
We should honor our client's wishes by creating an experience that is true to the person who wrote the song, that's true to the intentions of the song, and most closely imitates what our clients know and love about the music they're hearing. We become better musicians and therapists when we have the discipline to learn um, and push ourselves to learn new and different styles of music. Now, I mentioned the word obligation, so I kind of wanted to back that up. So I went to the AMTA website, and I'm going to read a quote from the Principles for Ethical Practice. Principle number five, striving for excellence. The music therapist seeks to continually improve skills and knowledge, evaluating the strength and applicability of evidence into all areas of professional practice and behavior. Striving for excellence in music therapy encompasses all aspects of music therapy, education, training, supervision, clinical practice, business, and research. Striving for excellence does not imply perfection, but the ongoing commitment to expand our knowledge and skills in all areas. To me, it is clear that in order to be effective clinicians, our education does, must, and should continue to include music. Studying music, learning new music, and being educated and aware of current trends and culture in music in a large variety of genres and eras. If we stick to only what we're comfortable with or only to what we know and we put ourselves in a box, then we are putting limits on how we will work with our clients and limiting room for growth and we're actually doing a disservice to our clients. I also need to make a point to say that I will be the first to admit that I have not mastered any of what I'm going to be talking about. Um, Nobody has. We're all learning. And I can readily admit areas of weakness in my performance, and that's an important part of authenticity too. Um, Self-awareness is crucial. Authenticity is just something I work on and I believe in, and I simply want to start the conversation about this for young and growing music therapists alike. So before I go any further, um, I also want to address this phrase that you might be familiar with called, quote-unquote, artistic license. So we, as musicians, um, are artists. An important component of artistry is artistic license, especially in music. So what is the place that artistic license holds when we're talking about authenticity in covering music? Too often, I think artistic license can easily become an excuse to not practice the song or style correctly or to not sing it the way it's supposed to be sung. Uh, you know, to cut out the runs or to ignore tricky rhythms. If you think about it, every time you cover a song, you're already taking artistic license because you're the one singing it and no one can sing it or play it the way you do. However, we should be putting in effort to listen to and understand all the genres that we're replicating. Um, You know, maybe this means you learned a song secondhand in in guitar class in your undergrad. I would encourage you to go back and repractice it listening to the original recording. You know, often I hear about uh, music therapists asking for song suggestions for clients because they don't listen to, quote unquote, that style of music. 
And good on them to be asking for help. I truly believe that if we're going to claim to be able to deliver client-preferred music, and we should be, this is a pillar of music therapy, um, we have to make an effort and make it part of our practice to be familiar with and educate ourselves on all kinds of music, even the genres we don't like. Now, I'm not saying that you need to listen to them on your personal time. Uh, You absolutely should have boundaries and know what music fills you up and vibe on that when you need to. But if you know your client likes heavy metal, for instance, this one scares a lot of people, spend some time listening to the top bands of metal. Get educated and find something to appreciate about it, even if you hate it. This is such a big part of how we relate to our clients. That's how music connects people. Because here's the deal. Your clients can usually tell if you're faking it, right? We're not magically immune to people thinking that we're um, not good. I feel like sometimes there's an attitude that because our clients are often not musicians that they'll just magically love us because we walk into their room or into the session with a guitar, but that is not always true. Think about it. Our clients spend hours listening to the music that they love, so they're going to know that you don't know if you try to haphazardly perform a song you don't understand or talk about a song that you don't know about. And we need to be ready to defend why we chose to, quote unquote, do it like that or sing it this way. Because we are accountable to our clients and our profession for our musical performance. If we weren't, we wouldn't be music therapists. We would just be therapists or something else. So I think I've made the point that we need to tread lightly and check ourselves on the use or excuse of artistic license. Now, I don't want to belabor this, so let's talk about when artistic license does belong. There are more often than not situations where we cannot replicate music truly authentically. I mean, technically, it's every performance, unless you have the original studio band and producers and you are the original artist. I mean, how many situations have we found ourselves in with nothing but a drum or a guitar and some shakers? Or we have a cold and we are just not going to hit that note and dream on. In those situations and in our preparation, there are some questions to ask yourself to vet for appropriate adaptations. And I'm not talking about changing the key to fit your voice. In fact, I will encourage you to do that to be able to perform the song well and honor the music in the best way that you can. We never want to be the distracting factor to the song. And the first step to doing a song well is making sure it's in the right key for your voice. So some of the questions that you could be asking yourself when preparing a song are, what are the essential parts of this song that make it what it is? What components of the music can I replicate? Like rhythm, pitch, melody, chord structure, runs or licks. What can I leave out and still have a recognizable version of the song. An example for me is I get really nervous um, and choke up most of the time when I try to play the run for Sweet Home Alabama, you know, that really famous guitar intro. Um, So typically I will just pick a different song. (laughs) I won't attempt it if I know I'm not going to be able to do it well. Um, And the last question to ask is, am I doing my best? 
And I think the reason that I ask this question is to simply remind myself that I am a music therapist. I need to do music well. I don't need to try to compete with Ariana Grande, but I do need to compete with me. Just like you are only competing with you. And it's not really a competition, but you get the general, um, the idea of what I'm trying to convey here. I also need to make a point to say this. Um, When you think you're there, keep going. Some of you may feel that you will never do a better version of Country Roads than the way you do it right now. And I would challenge you to re-examine. Some of you may be thinking, I will never get there. But don't get discouraged if you see room to grow. There is never an arrival point to being a musician. You will spend your whole life learning and practicing and growing. So no matter where you are on your journey, so is the next person that you might think is so good. For example, Chris Martin said it this way. The goal is to try and make the perfect song, which of course will never happen. Now, Chris Martin is the frontman for the band Coldplay, and he's done a pretty good job at becoming successful in popular music. So if if he's saying that the, there's no way to make a perfect song, um, it's never going to happen, then why do I think that there would be? There's no such thing as mastery in music, and it's possible that some of you may disagree with that statement, but I would argue that music performance is never perfect. Music isn't meant to be perfect. There's no, there's no such thing as perfect. Maybe it sounds identical to the recording that you're imitating, and maybe it's rote mechanicalism, but the, but the person playing any song can get better. Now, maybe that's daunting, but it's meant to be an encouragement and a charge. We're all growing, and there are communities and resources to help you do that. So this leads me into the first step of how to embody authenticity in music, and that is with education. I do want to take a moment here to shout out um, Nora Veblen, who is an MTBC, and while she was completing her master's, um, she actually wrote her thesis on exactly what I'm talking about today. So when I was in my clinical internship, um, every week she would sit down with us and, and we would go through a song and assess the authenticity and work on the education portion of the music. And in that process, I was really able to think about and apply um, a lot of this, the techniques and the concepts that I'm talking about today. And she helped me be able to put into words um, and kind of pinpoint exactly things that I had been feeling and thinking about on my own already. So I want to give her some credit for inspiring me and um, teaching me how to live out this practice of authenticity in music. I learned a lot from her and so I've linked in the show notes her master's thesis so that you can go check it out for yourself and I encourage you to do so because it is an excellent resource and it's something that we all need to be talking about. So um, Nora, if you're listening, Shout out to you. Um, You're awesome. All right, let's continue with the discussion. The first step to educating ourselves on authenticity is by answering more questions. Imagine that. I love the questions. I love self-examination, so there's going to be lots of questions. Um, But these are questions you're familiar with. 
Who, what, when, where, and why? The five W's. So who wrote the song? What is their biographical background? When did they write the song? Why did they write the song? What was the intended purpose of the song? What style of music is the song in? What is the history of the genre? What was going on in the world at the time the song was released? And how, I threw in an an H question for you, how does the song or genre conflict or relate with your background or beliefs? This helps us determine appropriateness of delivery as well as um, helps us be sensitive to what the song means to our clients, to the world, to music, and to be able to discuss all of these elements with our clients. This ties back into the connection that music fosters between people. This also helps us to be authentic to who we are as people and as therapists. And it helps us appreciate styles of music that maybe we don't fully understand. Music is the gateway to culture, so understanding a song or an artist or a genre um, is the heartbeat of what they represent. So let's read that list again. And by the way, I will have this listed in the show notes for reference. Who wrote the song? What is their biographical background? When did they write the song? Why did they write the song? What was the intended purpose of the song? What style of music is the song in? What is the history of the genre? What was going on in the world at the time the song was released? And how does the song or genre conflict or relate with your background and beliefs? So let's just take a moment to pause and kind of digest everything that I've talked about so far. We've gone through what authenticity and authenticity in music means, why it's important, how it helps us grow as therapists and what our ethical duty is. Um, But I just kind of want to summarize our whole discussion today. And again, the link to all the resources will be in the show notes for this episode so that you can kind of um, digest on this and go back and revisit this continually as you grow. And I encourage you to do that. So our summary for today is one, um, it is our ethical duty to study authenticity in music performance. This is how we honor and connect to our patients and clients and their music preferences. Two, artistic license has a place, but it is not an excuse to not strive for authenticity. Three, there are four questions you can use to vet adaptations when prepping a song, and those will be in the show notes. Four, keep growing. We're all learning together. And as musicians, we're always working to improve. And lastly, the first step to authenticity in music performance is education. So please revisit those nine questions to guide your study and your education of the music that you are performing and providing to your clients. Thank you so much for joining me today for the introduction to this three-part series and the introduction to the conversation about authenticity in music. Stay tuned for parts two and three that are coming down the pipes. Um, I'm really going to be digging into the nuts and bolts of technique, how to use your voice and your instruments to be authentic. And I want to give you some practical tools um, and some starting places to grow as you become familiar and do some introspection with yourself and identify some areas of weakness. Or if you're just looking for ideas on how to revamp how you're playing your repertoire and maybe the songs you've always played. 
Thank you again for joining us today. If you would like to support us, please like and share the Music Therapy and Beyond podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Music Therapy and Beyond. Find us on Facebook and check out our website, musictherapyandbeyond.com for more resources and information. We'll see you next time.